Today, I'm with a member of the class of 1985 and the current Lieutenant Governor of California. Thank you for joining me today, Ambassador Kunalakis. Well, it's wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah, so I have to start off with who was your class mascot while you're here at St. Francis? Oh, my goodness. You realize now this is 35 years ago. <laughs> And I'm not sure. Well, it, we're the troubadours. Yeah, and then each yeah, and then each class has a separate like Disney character. You know, we're only 10 seconds in, and already <laughs> I have let you down. I <laughs> I do not recall who our mascot was, but I have a lot of memories, a lot of wonderful memories of St. Francis, and I know we're going to talk about some of those. Yeah, no worries. Um, could you speak about your favorite St. Francis memory? Well, you know, by the time you get to my age, uh, you will have a lot of memories under your belt. 1985 was the year I graduated St. Francis and it was a long time ago. But I think uh, that when I think back to those years, mostly I just feel so grateful and um, have such a warm and wonderful feeling about my time at St. Francis High School. Uh, I actually uh, have an unusual circumstance where I went to three high schools. Oh my gosh. I had been at Sacramento Country Day from third grade. So I was still at Country Day for freshman year. And then I went abroad for school my sophomore year. And I came back to Sacramento and my sister, uh, Athena, who's a year younger than me, had uh, moved over to St. Francis and she loved it so much. And back in those days, particularly if you were a sibling, it was not that difficult to be able to transfer over. So I came home uh, the summer of, uh, of, I guess it would have been 1993 and uh, basically signed up and ended up uh, going to St. Francis for my junior year and my senior year. And as I said, they were incredibly formative and, and uh, just, it was just a wonderful place to go to school. That's awesome. And while you were here for your junior and your senior year, what sort of things were you involved in? Well, it's funny, you know, when um, Lady Bird came out, honestly, I was just shocked at how much really was the same. So. Uh, so again, because I, I had this sort of unusual high school experience, I really do think of St. Francis as my high school. I graduated from St. Francis. They were my last two years of high school, but I was so embraced and so welcomed uh, by the other students that it really definitely was my, uh, is my high school. And uh, one of the things that I did both years was I tried out for, and I was in the Jesuit musical with a group of St. Francis girls. And I was a drama kid. Uh, and so uh, so when that movie came out, I thought, well, that's so incredible. <laughs> we did the same things. Uh, and smoked a few clove cigarettes too along the way, though that went uh, you into a lot of trouble back then. Um, but, uh, uh, but the drama program was great. Uh, and then um, I also was really involved uh, with um, some of the civic activities. So uh, I never ran myself uh, for, for office, but I was involved in some of the leadership campaigns. Uh, and then I also, um, it was a big year, it was the 1992 election. 
and we had a debate uh, uh, with the students. And uh, I was very involved in that. Uh, and, uh, and all of that was just a, a lot of fun. So in terms of those kind of extracurriculars, um, really it was drama and then um, some of the political activities that were happening on campus at the time. Have you been involved in um, like politics and has that been a big interest of yours your entire life? It really has. So not only um, were we doing uh, activities at school, but I was volunteering back then uh, on the uh, uh, campaign for Walter Mondale and Geraldine Ferraro. And again, this is going way back, but I actually still have this big school report I did for our civics class um, of that election. And we would go over to Sacramento State to the library there that had all the newspapers and the old clips, and we would photocopy articles and then cut them out and paste them in a journal. Um, but I did a really great program. And then I ended up going down and volunteering, <clears throat> pardon me, in the Sacramento campaign headquarters for the Mondale Ferraro campaign. And of course, that was the first time that we had a woman on the ballot of a major political party. And it was Geraldine Ferraro uh, who was on the ballot as the Democratic nominee for vice president. That's amazing. And it's crazy that now like you worked on that campaign and now you're part of the California um, government. Well, and also I will say that ever since I've been working to help get women uh, into the White House, and Kamala Harris, who is a very dear friend of mine, and we sort of co-mentor one another over the years, uh, but uh, seeing her step in and finally, I mean, again, if you can imagine that when I was a student, we tried to elect the first woman onto the ticket, it was the vice presidential slot, and it took all the way until now before we were actually able to break what they call the marble ceiling and have a woman uh, win and be elected uh, as vice president. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. And it's really remarkable to see like, um, as like a young person myself, looking up to you guys in politics, it's really, really inspiring. Um, so being the first female Lieutenant Governor, do you feel a lot of pressure um, since you are such a big trailblazer in our society? Well, again, uh, again, at my, at my age, and when I kind of put a pin in uh, my high school years and think about uh, my journey um, and what you and, and your uh, fellow troubadours are also going to, to see is that you start to feel your own life in the context of those who've come before you, those who come after you, and then what you're able to accomplish. And the reality is that the journey for women uh, and women's empowerment in our democracy has been a long and slow process. So every time I have been able to be part of other women's success in breaking glass ceilings, that has given me quite a bit of pride. Uh, I in fact had the opportunity to be there uh, when Nancy Pelosi was sworn in as the first speaker. And, uh, and in 92, um, actually, a few years after I finished high school, after I finished college, I worked on the campaign to elect Dianne Feinstein and Barbara Boxer as the first two women uh, to represent the state of California in the Senate. 
And so when it was my turn, I mean, and let me just say, I really did not, I did not know that this would ultimately be part of my path. Uh, but there's no question that one feels the weight of history and uh, a certain pride in, in being able to have contributed in progress for women uh, and also a certain responsibility uh, that you're big enough to live up to uh, to the um, uh, to the to the moment, uh, and uh, and then just gratitude for all of the women and the men who helped along the way. Yeah, that's really really remarkable, and I'm sure it must be. Um... Like you must feel so proud to have this amazing position. Well, I'm not the first woman to run for Lieutenant Governor. I'm just the first one to win. And so I also look to women like Jackie Spear, Congresswoman Jackie Spear, who's about to retire and her incredible story. She ran for Lieutenant Governor and she did not make it, but she put cracks in the glass ceiling. And I think it's also really important to recognize that progress for women, sometimes there are these shooting stars, but very often it's this, this wave, these waves of women who move process and progress along. And I like to identify all of those women who, who make their mark uh, and help, uh, and help uh, move things along. And let me, just assure everyone listening that, you know, we're not done. Uh, the work is not done. There are plenty of forces who are not so uh, enthusiastic about having women at the table. And even when I was at St. Francis at, at that age, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel that there was anything that wouldn't be um, available or that there would be all these things that would be off limits that somehow by being a woman and not being male that there would be fewer opportunities. But the higher and higher you go, that is when those glass ceilings start to appear. And of course, they're invisible. That's why they're called glass. But when you hit your head on one, you feel it. And that's why as women, it is so incredibly important to support and to help one another. Uh, when those challenges come. With this process and this um, like path that you've um, explained, is there, has there been a biggest challenge that you've encountered? Um, you know, I think that if you have the right attitude, you forget the challenges uh, and you remember the opportunities. Um, but of course the challenges are what shape you. Uh, those are the things that um, help you learn uh, and help you develop your skillfulness in overcoming challenges in general. Um, and so, my goodness, I mean, I don't even know where to begin, uh, but there have been plenty of times in my life uh, where people, I mean, there have been, you know, I'm, I'm not very tall, I'm only about five foot two. And I can tell you times where men have, just stood in front of me physically uh, so that I would be I would be technically invisible, not just theoretically invisible. And I've always found a way uh, to 
um, continue to be gracious and diplomatic, but also to be persistent, to be persistent and to insist on that seat at the table uh, and to always find those opportunities where my voice could be heard. By the way, when I felt that what I had to say really was valuable and important to the conversation. And do you think your time at St. Francis um, with that all girls education and um, has helped you overcome those challenges and, and really just be persistent and make sure that you do get that seat at the table? There's just no question about it. Uh, at the, the girls who I met when I arrived at St. Francis, um, some of whom I'm still, gosh, my, one of my dearest friends who I walk with uh, every Sunday if we can, if we're both around, uh, is one of the people, uh, Julie Conwell, who now Giannini, who I met, uh, I think on my very first day, <laughs> we, uh, we had a lot of great adventures together uh, when we were in high school and we are still very, very dear friends, but, but many others. Um, but it was such a warm and welcoming environment. And there really was something about the energy of the classroom. Uh, you know, we had uh, uh, the girls in our calculus class um, were probably, that was really where I think uh, I found this terrific group of friends. Uh, and you didn't have to pretend in Mr. Schwing's calculus class that, that you didn't understand. You didn't have to be embarrassed of being smart. Uh, and uh, we had a lot of fun. And, and if I just may say, because I know he retired really not too long ago, that Mr. Schwing himself really believed in the capability of smart girls. And uh, he held us to really high standards. Uh, and uh, he never even brought into the classroom the question about our capability to learn and to excel. That's amazing. We have um, actually a new outdoor math classroom that was dedicated to Mr. Schwing. Oh, is that right? That's great. Um, so going back to your challenge, kind of the opposite, what's something that you're really proud of in your journey? Um, you know, I, I think, and, and I want to connect some things back to St. Francis because I'm, I'm of the Greek Orthodox faith. And there's no question as well in my mind that uh, what I learned in our ethics classes uh, and religion classes was also really helpful. And there, there are two things that come to mind. And one of them is always this idea that in everything you do, that you bring uh, the concept of love and, and compassion and forgiveness and charity and everything that goes on with those, along with those values, that you bring it along with you in everything you do. Sometimes people have this concept of love as something that is just for your personal life you know, for your family, for your children, for your, maybe your closest friends. Uh, and of course that's true, but love is a very powerful political force in the world. And it has been since it was, uh, since it was identified as the organizing principle of Christianity, that people, no matter what level of education they have, they know the difference 
between good and evil and right and wrong and 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 uh, selfishness versus generosity and charity and forgiveness and all of those things that are under the umbrella of love. And that that and all of those emotions are enormously powerful and very necessary when it comes to uh, to organizing society and civilization. Those are the fundamental elements that create the building blocks of peace and of democracy. And uh, so I think whether it was really conscious or not, weaving those in to my high school education was very important. And the second thing I'll say is that, you know, I think when you are in high school, uh, again, no matter how popular you may see, seem, everyone struggles uh, on one way, one level or another, uh, with the issue of loneliness and, uh, and social isolation and, and all of these things. Again, and, and I think it cuts across everybody because it's such a, it's such a challenging time in, in development. And there was a book, uh, and I, I, I think the book was, was out of the class called Christian Womanhood. And I don't know if, they, if it's still called that. But there was a chapter about how to avoid being lonely in your life. And I thought, well, that's bold. Are they actually going to give us advice on this? And so I continued reading and it said, the best tonic for loneliness is reaching out. And I tell you, if there's ever been a motto in my life, and it has probably led to where I am now because I love people. I've always felt that people are, are interesting and it's so fulfilling to have positive and meaningful human relationships and human engagements, whether they're lifelong or even just momentary. And that this idea that you can live a life of incredible fulfillment where you never feel lonely if you reach out. And reaching out very often requires being brave, but it's totally in your control. And so if there's one thing I'm sure that has developed the person I am, someone who walks through rooms and puts out my hand, uh, to meet others and ask their names and ask them to tell me my, their story. It probably was, was that aha moment that I had back in, I guess, 1984 in my Christian womanhood class at St. Francis. That's amazing. Could you give an example of a time where you, um, you spoke about love and how it's um, evident in politics? Could you give an example of um, that? Well, we live in very uh, challenging times. And um, I'm actually in Washington, D.C. right now for the visit of the Greek prime minister, who is going to be addressing Congress tomorrow in a joint session. Uh, so if anyone is listening and can tune in or even listen to the address after the fact, he's going to talk about the continuum of democracy. Democracy requires people in a society to respect and to trust one another. My aunt 
was a Greek Orthodox nun in Jerusalem in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre for 30 years. And she used to tell me that you cannot have love unless you have respect. So these things go along with one another. So more than just an example, I think I would just say that from my perspective, you know, gosh, it's more than it's 30, do the math for me, 37 years. Is that right? Is that possible? 22 plus 15. 22. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Um, but if there is one thing that I have learned in my 37 years, since that beautiful day of when we had our baccalaureate and our graduation from St. Francis, I, is that love truly is at the corner of everything. Uh, and uh, politics is, is a, very, um, uh, a very big part of people's lives where they know it or not, because we live in a democracy, which is a participatory system of self-representation. And so all of the things, all of the qualities that go along with that are essential for building trust and respect in order to be able to help one another and to truly govern ourselves uh, in a system that works for everybody. And with, and with that, um, do you have any advice for our Trubies? Oh my goodness. Just remember, everybody gets knocked down. It is not whether you get knocked down in life, it is how you get back up again. That's amazing. And I'm so grateful to have had this opportunity to talk to you, Ambassador Kundalakis. And thank you for your time and your wise words. What a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you.